Hi, I'm Dee Dee Bass-Wilbon. And I'm Dina Bass-Williams. And we are the Bass Sisters. And this is Policy and Pound Cakes. So, thank you for joining us. Yes, we are about to head into a wonderful 4th of July weekend. So excited about we're that. We're excited about that. Um, but we're super excited about the conversation that we are going to have with our good friend, Dr. Ben Carson. So we're just going to jump right into it. Dr. Carson, it is always such a pleasure to see you, to speak with you, and Dean and I are just so excited. So we know excited. that you're busy, and so we're going to not hold you too long. We're going to try not to anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but everyone is talking about, of course, the Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe versus Wade, and I know I want to know, Dina wants to know, when you heard that decision, where were you? And what was your first reaction to that news? Uh, I was I was at home, and uh, I was elated, ecstatic that it was happening. You know, having spent my entire professional career trying to save the lives of little babies, mm -hmm. uh, and now having some real support uh, from the federal bench to do that is wonderful. And the the. The thing that's just as wonderful as the, all the lives we're saving is the fact that we are returning the government to the way that it's supposed to run. Because major life and death issues, things that affect culture and life, are supposed to be in the hands of the people, not in the hands of unelected justices. And I think they realized that, you know, in 1973, the court overstepped its boundaries. The court is not to make policies. The court is not to create uh, rights. The court is to interpret the Constitution. And they recognized that, and that's what they did. They didn't deny anybody the right to an abortion. There's nothing in the Constitution that says there's a right to an abortion or that mm -hmm. says you can't have one. But it's supposed to be done at the level of the people and their representatives. And that's what's been done. And I think uh, it's, a, it's a great day for America. Excellent. That is um, beautiful. And, you know, um, over the years, we've certainly heard you um, share your experience of um, operating on babies in the womb. Uh, you are uh, a world-renowned uh, neurosurgeon. And so we also know that the most important relationship is your relationship with Christ. And so we too are followers of Jesus the Christ. And as we are talking about this, when we talk about these issues with fellow Christians, we are very clear on how we talk about it. But 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 from the scientific point of view, um, talk. we'd love to hear your response um, from a person of faith who believes in Christ, but also the actual science of life when people people when people tell you you can't talk about your faith and they just want you to talk about the science of when life begins well when you look at what actually happens it's really quite miraculous i mean you have a female gamete and a male gamete both of which have 23 chromosomes the, a complete cell has 46 chromosomes but when they unite they fuse together all of a sudden you have the 46 chromosomes that are not the mother, that are not the father, that are a completely new and different individual at that point with all the genetic information encoded necessary 
to become a fully mature adult human being. It's all there at that point. And uh, then you look at how rapidly that zygote begins to divide. And in a very short period of time, a matter of six to eight weeks, you have got a human being that no one could deny. It has a head, has a face, eye sockets, a nose, little lips, fingers and toes, arms and legs. Um, the heart is beating. It's starting to move. Uh, it is very, very hard to say that's not a human being. And that brain is developing at a rate of 400 million neurons every single day. Wow. And it's al already much more sophisticated than a snail darter. And you got all these environmentalists running around saying, we got to save the snail darter. Well, why wouldn't they be interested in saving something that's more sophisticated than a snail darter? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So how do you feel, like, what do you feel people who um, are pro-life, um, what do we do now? Like, how do, you, how do we have conversations with our family and friends? And as it goes throughout the states, what do we, what do you advise that people do now? Well, it's, it's not a time to celebrate too much because we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, mm -hmm. We need to make sure that we take into consideration the fact that many of these women who have abortions have them because they're in a difficult situation and not because they're mean and evil people. And uh, so we have to see what we can do to alleviate the difficulty in their lives and perhaps put them on a trajectory of success and independence. Uh, mm -hmm. We also need to take a, a real good look at the adoption rules. Uh, it, it's very difficult to adopt a baby in this country. And it's very expensive, you know, in the $50,000 range. It's much easier actually to adopt a baby from another country. And that's why you get so many people in this country adopting babies from other countries. Uh, that should not be the case. You know, there, there are millions of uh, couples and families who can't have a child who would just be absolutely thrilled to have mm -hmm. those babies. And we need to make that a possibility. And then uh, for those who, who want to keep their babies, we need to be able to put them on the right trajectory uh, so that they can, in many cases, they haven't finished high school. Uh, they can get their GED. Uh, they can get some child care. Uh, mm -hmm. They can advance training and uh, learn to be self-sufficient and teach that to their children. This is the way we have to think. We have to think long range. And we have to make that very clear to the women because the other side, sometimes they act like they're possessed. I mean, they just, you know, we, we just have to provide a much better alternative to that. You know, I, I find it fascinating because, you know, we like to look back on some ancient cultures and, and say how barbaric they were because they engaged in human sacrifice. Uh, are we any better? I mean, when you look at a, a first uh, trimester uh, abortion on the ultrasonic screen, it's rather chilling. You can see mm -hmm. the baby there. You can see the tube introduced. In many cases, the baby's trying to move away from it before 
it grabs a hold and pulls off an arm, pulls off a leg. You see all the blood and the gourd going and, down. And this is the first trimester, you're saying? First trimester. In the second trimester, they can't do it that way anymore. And then they actually take a forcep and reach into the uterus and grab whatever they can grab and twist and pull and out comes a shoulder, out comes a liver, out comes you know other parts of the body. I mean, you're literally tearing a human being to pieces. A human exactly. being that can actually feel. I mean, it is, it's barbaric, it really is. I don't understand how people who take the Hippocratic Oath can do it and live with themselves. I don't either, Dr. Carson, and I'm not a doctor. I've never pretended to be a doctor or anything like that. But what do you say to people who, to medical professionals and to, you know, those people that are not that say, okay, what if this woman, if she was, if it was a traumatic situation where she conceived this baby and she does not want to carry this child to term um, because it's too traumatic for her, how do you respond to someone like that when, like you just said, you're basically tearing a human being limb to limb, you know, so you'd rather tear this being from limb to limb than to carry the child full term and give it up for adoption, which is what I tell there are other options to do. And they're saying, well, it's going to be too traumatic for her to carry the child to full term. How do you respond to someone or to a medical professional when they, when they give that response? I would say it's frequently more traumatic when you later realize that you killed another human being. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many of those women end up with severe mental problems and depression. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, why not provide an, an option where they don't have to have those kinds of emotional feelings? And right. uh, recognize that it is an amazing gift human life is, a gift from God. And that mm -hmm. relationship between a mother and a baby, it's almost a sacred relationship. God has put that baby in the safest place in the universe that it can possibly be inside the mother. And uh, you know, her job is to protect it, not to see it as the enemy of her happiness and try to destroy it. Right. You know, Dr. Carson, we, um, we're looking at some uh, uh, what do they call fact checkers? And some mm -hmm. years ago, you were given a Pinocchio by saying that um, Margaret Sanger was uh, a eugenicist, or and that she was that the design was to really exterminate black babies. Well, um, they have, I guess, I th we'll have to check, but I think it was Politifact's fact checkers, and they have since. Um, slightly revised their views on that, but can you talk to us about the history of Planned Parenthood, which is um, clearly made profit off of the black, the death of black babies. And I understand that many of their doors are closing now because they can't make money if they're not doing abortions. Mm -hmm. But what is the history that people should know even about the most profitable abortion, abortionist, um, in America. Well, you know, Margaret Sanger, as you may recall, Hillary Clinton said was one of her heroes. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a woman, you know, who started the Planned Parenthood movement and was a hero in Nazi Germany. 
they actually loved this woman. And uh, it was because, you know, she advocated, uh, you know, purification of society by limiting the number of undesirables. And that's why she put her clinics in black and Hispanic communities. And uh, this is well documented. This is not speculation. And, uh, you know, I think it's important that minorities, particularly in the black neighborhood, recognize what was being done to them. And, and there are a lot of things that happened to push the fathers away, uh, to break up the families, to limit the numbers. Uh, and if you really take time and study these issues, rather than just listening to the manipulators and the many people who are paid and make a lot of money uh, to try to make you feel like victims and like they're your savior and they're not your savior by any stretch of the imagination. Only Jesus Christ is their savior. But um, mm -hmm. unfortunately, that has happened, at, particularly in the black communities. And uh, as you've moved away from that strong family structure, from that faith in God, uh, from that self-improvement mode, from that can-do attitude to that what-can-you-do-for-me attitude, you've seen a significant weakening uh, occur there. And we need to do everything we can to repair that. Uh, and obviously, uh, restoring that family relationship and faith, so important. And uh, I find it fascinating that people talk about the wealth gap that exists in America. It's somewhere between 5x and 10x between white families and black families. That's substantial. However, when you look at Nigerian families in America, Ghanaian families in America, you don't have that wealth gap. Mm -hmm. but, but what's going on in those families? They still have black skin. Uh, but what they have is a tremendous family uh, value system and education. Mm -hmm. You know, in those households, a bachelor's degree is the baseline. That's where you start. And uh, if you look at traditional American families who have those same values, black families, there's no wealth gap there either. Mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating. And maybe we should be looking at those kinds of factors rather than blaming everything on racism. That's not mm -hmm. to say that there isn't racism. There is racism. There will be racism as long as there's a force of evil and people with small minds to allow it to affect them. But right. you don't have to allow it to control you. That's the key. Absolutely. That's Dr. Carson, it is always just so fun talking to with you. You're so like smart. You, it, it really is. And we're smart when we're talking to you. And we just really <laughs> enjoy your time and, and your insight, and we just appreciate it. We yes. really, really do. And they're well, just so blessed that you do what you do for America because we know that it is um, mm -hmm. it is not easy. And right. so we are just we're just blessed that you are willing to share share listen to the lord 
and Amen. do what he tells you. And that's most importantly so, that you allow him to guide you in everything that you do. So we appreciate well, I'm blessed to know you guys and uh, hope that uh, you continue to be courageous in your fight and demonstrate patriotism. It is wonderful mm -hmm. to see and yes. the love of our God and our country. Amen. Amen. And we're about to go into 4th of July weekend. Yes. So we hope that you and um, Candy have a, a blessed 4th of July weekend. Absolutely. And, uh, and we'll be celebrating America. Tell your mom I said hello. We will. We will. We let, yes, we absolutely. We'll let her know you asked about her. All right. Look forward Thank to you. talking to you again. Take care now. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Dr. Carson. I absolutely so enjoy talking to Dr. Carson. I know. He, I mean, he is like, it's so much fun talking to him. It is. I mean, he's like so smart, but he's so down to earth. Right. He's so funny. He he's, is always the smartest person in the room, but always the most humble always. person in the room. Always. Is it the most humble or the humblest? I don't know. I don't know, but, but hey, if we had Dr. Carson back, he would probably <laughs> he <would> tell us. <laughs> but no, really, he's just... He's, He's just a genuinely good And he person. has such wisdom as he talks about life. He life. understands it from the biblical worldview mm -hmm. and he understands the science. Right. You know, he has actually operated on babies inside of, of the wounds. Yes. And I love the fact that he has no problem with his relationship with the Lord and letting people know that mm -hmm. that's who guides him every single day and all that he does, you know? So, right. and not saying that he's a perfect person, but I appreciate the fact that he can talk about his relationship and he's so, it's just a part right. of who he is. And it's I not a that. part of who he is. It's, it it is, is who he is. is, right? So, but at any rate, we thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode of Policy and Pound Cake. We pray that you have a blessed, blessed 4th of July. And don't forget to like, follow, and share. In case you missed them, you can listen to archived episodes of Policy and Pound Cake. Link in bio.